Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Well, good day, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whatever time it is by you, welcome to Line Drive Radio. Hopefully your favorite baseball podcast. Yours truly, Mr. Paul Cuthbert, holding down the board here on Long Island in the great city of New York. Home of the Bronx Bombers, babies. And the amazings. And it's time to go out and bring in my LDR teammate from the great city of Chicago. Home of the Cubbies and the White Sox. Mr. Tab Bassman. Tab, welcome back. And what's going down in Chi-Town? Hey, it's uh, after we roundly questioned their want last week. The White Sox have found a little bit of a groove here, and as we record this, they are tied with Minnesota, a game and a half back at Cleveland. So as much as we thought that what was going down in Chi-Town was the White Sox chances of a postseason berth, uh, it now appears that what's going down in Major League Baseball is the Mets. Uh, <laughs> Uh, likelihood of uh, holding on to that division because, man, they're they're banged up. They're losing guys, it seems like, every day. Man, it's down to a half game on Atlanta in the East. Fighting Buck Showalters are so, in for one here. Say it ain't so. Say it ain't so. You know, uh, sometimes uh, as much as you try to change the actors in the movie, the script doesn't change. <laughs> and here we are. Just the consistent consistency of the New York Mets. Um, the bed. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Uh, well, counts. I mean, look. Here's the thing, Paul. Though, Let, let's just we if we're gonna trash, we got to get flowers, right? Uh, the Mets have only given their division lead away the last two years because somebody came and took it away from them. And I think we need to give full marks to the Atlanta Braves for chasing them down. I mean, look, they're Mets are five and five in their last ten. It isn't like they've just completely gone into the bunker and phoned it in here. Um, Scherzer's on the shelf now. Starling Marte's getting looked at. Uh, maybe they shouldn't have brought Timmy Trumpets or whatever his name is out to play Narcos for. You mean the uh, Trump sinking? Trump of yeah. who's not actually yeah. playing. Maybe he's, they spent too much time horns. worrying about the production value of their closer's entrance song and not enough on hitting with runners in scoring position. 
But uh, but no, look, the Braves are probably going to go one two in National League Rookie of the Year voting. Um, it'll either be Harris or Strider. My guess is it's probably Strider because he's ridiculous. Um, but you you only give up a lead if somebody chases you down, right? The tortoise and the hare only works if the tortoise doesn't keep doing his thing and keeps trying to finish the race. So uh, marks to the Atlanta Braves uh, for chasing him down. But now, you know, we we've, we legitimately have two division races that are, I think, interesting. And your, your pinstripes are maybe a third. Uh, with the Tampa Bay Rays without Wander Franco, eight and two in their last ten, Toronto eight and two in their last ten, both creeping into the rearview mirror here at four and a half and six back respectively. So, but the AL Central is still wide open, and now the National League East I think is really in question, if not in doubt, for the uh, for the Mets uh, with what they're dealing with. But that's why we're here, Paul. That's why we love it. What what do I say? This time of year, embrace the chaos. The chaos. Yes. And here we are with uh, the Baltimore Orioles four and a half back of Toronto for the final wild card spot. Toronto has crept within a half game of the Seattle Mariners. Uh, and all three, the Rays, uh, Mariners, and Blue Jays are all eight and two in their last ten. So they are really pushing to get in. Uh, I think a lot of us expected Baltimore to not get in, but the fact that they are the in the top spot chasing uh, is what makes them so dang impressive. So um, very impressive. And, and I do want to take a moment, Paul, uh, before we dig into some nitty-gritty here, to uh, speaking of uh, giving flowers um, uh, to uh, officially – uh, for the first time here on Line Drive Radio, welcome the Oakland Athletics and Washington Nationals to draft prep season because they have both been mathematically eliminated from the postseason already. Say it ain't so. Say it ain't so. Can't believe it. This Pittsburgh Pirates, year. not quite there yet. Detroit Tigers, not quite there yet. And the Tigers and Pirates are both equally 24 and a half games out of a wild card spot right now. Um, remember when the Pirates were like in third place in the National League Central? And we were like, man, the Pirates, kind of nice. Weekend, They're in front of Cincinnati and the Cubs. <laughs> Not anymore. And that's even with the Cubs 2-8 and eight in their last 10. But the, the, Bucks are, the Bucks are hanging out in the, in the basement once again. Five and a half back of the Reds for a second to the last in that division. The uh, I would submit the worst division in baseball. But here we are. Here we are indeed. As September gets underway, have to close the beach cabana this weekend. Tab. Not, uh, you know, I would rather be and, closing a beach cabana than chasing uh, soccer fields. Uh, at least there's a beach involved. Here. We're doing. At that least too. there's a soccer field involved for me, I guess. Uh, but, uh, I told my youngest, I'd be remiss if I didn't throw this out there. Uh, my, uh, my youngest Ian had, uh, soccer practice last night. And I told him that it was the last time that he would have soccer practice as a five-year-old because today Ian Bamford turned six. Happy 
So big, big shindig in the kindergarten today at Divine Providence. Uh, the kids will be going home with some festive uh, Pokemon-themed Pez dispensers because what does every family need for the weekend but a five- or six-year-old jacked full of sugar, courtesy the Bamford family. Uh, you know, we are we are suppliers. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so uh, so Ian's six today. Which is uh, which, which is kind of wild. It makes uh, reminds me that I that I'm old. Yes, time keeps on uh, moving by here, and uh, you know, uh, I think you got something to uh, talk about too. I mean, uh, the Queen has uh, has passed on, and uh, this yes. is the Queen from the famous baseball scene in The Naked Gun, of course, with Enrico Palazzo. Uh, of course. So we, we uh, and we that and to... that was actually Queen Elizabeth in the movie, uh, just to be. Oh yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, uh, I, you know I, I'm, some, I'm glad she had some they big could work parts in that movie. You know, I remember the uh, the scene when he was checking to to see uh, who stole uh, Frank's wallet. <laughs> you know, it, it wouldn't have been a pure Frank Drebin experience uh, <laughs> without Reggie Jackson or the Queen. Yes. Uh, no, I mean, look, um, I mentioned to Paul when we were getting ready to to jump on uh, my father's side of the family is 100% English both on his uh, mom and dad's side uh dad's parent uh, on my dad's side long history of serving in the armed forces in England we actually have a letter of commendation uh from one of the previous kings of England after one of my great whatever grandpas uh, was injured in battle actually protecting uh, the royal family. So um, long line of Englishness. Uh, thank God for dentists and braces in this country so I don't have the full Austin Powers thing going on. But uh, Never heard him, man. He always got the ladies. He's got his mojo. He doesn't need good teeth. Well, he had to go get it back. Um, but, uh, yeah, and, and my, my dad is always – I jokingly said, you know, my dad's always called uh, Queen Elizabeth Betty Windsor. Uh, not to be confused with Betty White, uh, but my mom texted me last night, and, and I was uh, completely thrown a, a curveball, Paul. In uh, in the fall of 1997, I'm gonna I'm gonna date myself here for a moment. The fall of 1997, yours truly. Uh, and the Hinsdale Central Red Devils football team opened my senior season at uh, a high school named Larkin in Elgin, Illinois, which is a suburb of, of Chicago, about an hour from where we live. Uh, only time really in my life that I've ever been to Elgin. And we went out and got throttled that night in a bad way. Uh, the running back for Larkin ended up being, I think, a three-year starter and was like second-team All-Big Ten at the University of Illinois. And it was uh, a man playing with children. We were not good my senior year. I'll, I'll be completely frank with the audience and those listening at home. And, and my teammates at, at the time, I don't think, would uh, argue with me on that point. We were not very good. So going against a legit D1 recruit uh, was not an enjoyable experience for us. And when I got home that night, in a bad place because we had, again, gotten our tails whipped, walked into the house. My dad was sitting, staring at the TV in the basement, 
uh, like Joaquin Phoenix in the closet in the movie. Uh, what was that? Uh, the one with the aliens. Uh, the That's M. Night Shyamalan Ding Dong movie. I can't remember. Yeah. Uh, he's sitting in the basement staring at the TV. It's like 10 o'clock at night. And I walk in and he says, Princess Diana got killed. And my response, being a 17-year-old uh, quarterback who was not happy with the team's performance that night, was emphatically, so did we, don't give an F. And I went to bed. <laughs> oh, my, Tab. Yeah. Uh, yeah, real sensibilities for the crown here. Uh, so I, I played a football game in Elgin, the only time in my life that I've been to Elgin, Illinois, the night that Princess Diana died. The reason my mom texted me that reminder yesterday is because my oldest son, who's a sophomore at Montini, go Broncos, um, had a golf match yesterday in Elgin on the day that the queen dies. And I believe that's, uh, that, I can't remember if they played there last year, but the fact that when, uh, on the days that Queen Elizabeth and Princess Diana die, uh, my son and I are both participating in a high school athletic event in the same town, threw me for a loop. Kind of a crazy coincidence. That is kind of weird and crazy. But and it's is, not like right next door either. It's an hour away. Well, we'll have to, uh, you should write a letter to the, uh, the, uh, the Majesty's historians over there, and see if we can can't get a footnote in there, tying in the or the, or the Saturday Evening Post, you know, whichever <laughs> audience that little story is more appropriate for. Uh, uh, but yeah, uh, you know, uh, shout out to Betty Windsor and uh, and now uh, King Charles the yes. Third, yes. as he's already been. I don't know what he gets sworn in or. Uh, you don't put your hand on the Bible and raise your right hand. I don't think it's just kind of given to you. But um, doesn't somebody so I'm on have TV to this morning today. out meeting the masses outside of Windsor Castle as the King of England, the Queen Consort. Camilla. I gotta tell you, I gotta tell you. Now you, you know I'm, I've got the Irish background here. Now I, I know the Irish pubs would be full today, <laughs> not morning. No, oh, there was it some will fun. Not be there... morning. Twitter, Twitter was having a good time at, uh, with uh, with the Irish. Yesterday, oh man. oh man, there will not be a moment of silence in South Bend this weekend. Look, there. Uh, she was a good lady. All right, maybe not all down with that whole monarchy thing, you know, and all that stuff. And uh, you know, the uh, the former empire did quite a bit of damage to many people's lives over the years. So uh, anyway, here's the queen. Yeah, she no longer reigns, King Charles. Nope. He's, he's, what, is he 73 now? If, if, if my dad called her Betty Windsor, what do we got now? King Chuck? King Chuck, baby. All right. Well, King anyway, I, I thought she had just the best scenes in The Naked Gun. It was good stuff. We timed that in with the, uh, the baseball here at Line Drive Radio as uh, we uh, kick off another episode here. As, as the nitty-gritty, as you were alluding to before, Tab, is, is starting to, to kind of grind. You know, I talked about the last couple episodes about um, – Teams needing or wanting the heat on them. I mean, the Yanks here, whew, another huge series here against Tampa Bay. And I, I have to do this to the Rays, man. They just are just bringing it. Um, and the Blue Jays, too. What a game uh, Bo Bichette had the other day. Uh, three home runs. Wow. I mean, yeah. I'm just telling you right now. I mean, we are, we're looking here at how the, uh, the playoff races are kind of shaping up. And me and you have been raving about uh, – 
you know, just teams playing good baseball. Uh, the teams that are like in, you know, jockeying for p- position here, and the, and the teams here, and these two divisions in in the Eastern on the, on both sides, the American and the uh, the National, in terms of uh, you know the the Braves and the Phillies too. Uh, looks like the Phillies somehow, some way are going to get in there with the wild card. Um, and if they well, do, because Milwaukee decided to trade their closer and destroy apparently whatever mojo yeah. they had in their yeah, and we talked clubhouse. Yeah, talk about backfiring like an '87 Camaro. And they tried like, to tinker at the deadline, and it totally ruined their vibe. And Unbelievable. we talked about that too, though, coming up the trade deadline. The trade deadline, deadline too, is because you you don't know sometimes, and and certain teams. You know, um, the kind of moves they make, uh, you know, tinkering with something, whether it's going to shift, and, and sometimes you, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. Um, you know, the Brewers are a great example there, too, as far as uh, what they did, and then there's other teams that didn't do, didn't do anything. Uh, then you look at, uh, we still don't know, why was Montgomery traded by the Yankees, right? He's, he goes into St. Louis, and he's, he's barnstorming over there, but you have to think maybe there was something going on in the locker room. But anyway, it is what it is. The Yankees have just been, you know, uh, uh, an okay baseball team since the All Star break, and they're lucky. Yeah, it was it was it was before the the trade deadline for the Yankees. If we're if we're honest, ball. Yeah, absolutely. It, it does. It goes back a couple weeks before that. And you're right. Look, I mean, I think we've talked about this. If you go on social media, Yankees fans talk about it pretty much all day, every day. Um, Yankee fans, like every sports team's fan. Uh, tend to pick out their um, obligatory individual that we're blaming for everything. Uh, it's been Cashman last year. I think before the deadline, it was largely Brian Cashman because you didn't have a single left-handed hitter in the lineup. And then he went out of the deadline and got Gallo and Rizzo. And it's like, oh, you fixed it. Look at magic beans. Yay. Um, and then Gallo fails earlier this year, and he's kind of taking it. But it feels like, you know, confirm this for me, Paul, because I'm I'm experiencing this via social media. But it feels like for the last really three years, uh, Aaron Hicks has kind of been one of the guys that has been kind of the obligatory. Everything is his fault. If if the left-handers aren't hitting, like Rizzo's on the shelf right now. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people like to blame Donaldson, but it seems like it, it, a lot of times it just kind of circles back to Aaron Hicks and his inability to stay healthy. And when he is healthy, kind of underwhelming at times. And look, Aaron Hicks is a really good baseball player. And I think when he's right, he's shown flashes of doing really good things. And that's what amplifies the frustration with him not staying healthy. And when he does slump, you're like, we know that there's more in the tank. In Chicago, it's kind of Yon Mankata who went five for five with a couple jacks last night. And it was the first time I think they said that a White Sox player had hit multiple home runs at Oakland since Robin Ventura, Mets legend, Robin Ventura in 1995. The name. But, but, I mean, Paul, it seems like Aaron Hicks is the guy that a lot of people like to point at. And he just, he's just the easy target for a lot of the angst with Yankee fans. So I think they looked at it like, look, we need a good defensive guy in center field because we've got pitching. We can hit. Uh, and they thought even though he's he was injured, still hasn't played a single rep, hasn't seen a pitch or, or made a defensive replacement for the Yankees. But I think they Brian Cashman looked at Harrison Bader as the heir to Aaron Hicks going back to our uh, – Succession plan with Prince, you know, King Chuck, uh, but the heir 
to center field, which uh, center field used to be a thing. Center field for the Yankees was a thing, right? You went, you went from DiMaggio to Mantle to Aaron Hicks. Um, <laughs> Bernie, Bernie had but, a good run uh, out there too for a few years, buddy. But Bernie was magnificent. I, I still think he, he, I, I think he's going to get in the Hall of Fame. I think. When you get his contemporaries voting on it, I think people are going to look at what he did. I think he's massively undervalued as a player because uh, people forget he got there, what, five or six years before Jeets, and he was kind of the young veteran, younger than O'Neal and Justice and those guys when Jeets got there. Anyway, uh, it feels like they desperately made a play to replace Aaron Hicks in center field with Harrison Bader, knowing that he wouldn't be there right away, and they massively overpaid for it, and Montgomery's Ben, you know, you look back at guys that you go back to like what Rick Sutcliffe did when the Cubs got him in 84 and then what CC Sabathia did when the Brewers got him, uh, you know, three decades later. Uh, there have been guys that get picked up at the trade deadline. Randy Johnson with the Astros who just dominate. And I think when you look at guys like Sutcliffe and Sabathia, uh, you you think about that, Randy Johnson, you think about that pedigree. No one, I don't think, would have said, well, Jordan Montgomery is going to go and just blow the doors off every time he touches the ball. But, I mean, he's been a huge catalyst for St. Louis running away with the National League Central. And the Yankees really haven't found somebody to pick up what he had been in that pitching staff. Well, I mean, with all due respect... The Yankees pitching has been actually pretty stable. It's been okay. You know, Cole's going out there and pitched a hell of a game. A couple games here. Um, Nestor's going out. Uh, Herman has been fantastic. Um, a little trouble here and there, but it's, 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 fo- it's primarily focused on guys like Hicks and the rest of this lineup. Um, and just the, the bats just not being there, especially around Judge. I don't think John Carlos healthy yet. No, oh, I no, think definitely. They, no, he's not. He's. I think they forced him back in before he was ready because they didn't have Rizzo. Yeah, but, I mean, if, if you look at, you know, guys like, uh, you know, Donaldson. You know, I mean, come on. Uh, LeMahieu hasn't really been healthy here the last uh, – he already hasn't well, been healthy. on the shelf. Benintendi's on the shelf. Yeah, I mean, so, look, the Yanks have – look, they, they definitely went into a, an incredible major team slump there, right? And it's funny, uh, you know, we joke around this too. And when Gallo was on the team, he was the only guy slumping. Now, when Gallo was traded, I don't know, it's like that uh, old Brady Bunch, uh, you know, the, the bad luck gem on the Hawaii episode, you know. Uh, <laughs> Gallo might have been their good luck charm. And does someone, does someone need to give Jobu his run back? Yes, yes, absolutely. Who, who, but, who drank it? That's my question. I'm going to say Donaldson. But it's, it's incredible, right? So for the first 70 games, right? All the all the yelling and the screaming from the Yankee fans was Gallo, 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 and they were crushing everybody. They were winning every series. If they weren't sweeping series, they were winning the series. They hadn't lost the series almost like the whole first half of the season. Gallo's the only guy in the lineup who wasn't hitting. It was it? And Hicks, obviously, he never hits. But um, but it was all Gallo, right? <laughs> Gallo gets traded, goes to the other coast, and he, now the whole entire lineup just went into this. Unbelievable, massive slump. Maybe and they need to start serving Ernest and Julio Gallo in uh, in the concession stands at Yankee Stadium. Maybe they need to right the wrong. Because now, look, he goes to L.A. L.A. still rocking and rolling, man. He's a good luck charm. 
Gallo isn't really hitting. He had a couple of good uh, at-bats there when he first got there and everything, and they had the 10-game win streak, and I think he had a grand slam and a couple of home runs and stuff. I went to see him in City Field there last week. <laughs> Woo, flat line. It was, it was old Gallo. Right back to the seat, you wonder because, because the Mets fans were giving him the same business as the Yankee fans were. But it's it's amazing, right? So getting back to the Mate, is, he, is he like the opposite of kryptonite? Yes. Is he no, like yeah, the, yeah. the the worst thing that you can here. have that keeps everybody else good? Samson's next, hair? The next Yankee game I'm going to, I want to try and get one more point in the scene. He's going to have a sign. Bring Joey Gallo back. Get him back here right away. But we need his bad pick. vibe so everybody else can perform. <laughs> exactly. Um, look, Amazing. The, pitch, the pitch against him has been okay. Uh, the young kids have come up here too, and they've done all right. I tell you this much. Um, Seeing guys like Cabrera here and stuff, um, you know, you know, they're they're getting a feel of the rhythm. I mean, I can only imagine what it's like there getting your timing, uh, you know, getting into the batter's box against major league pitching, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Defensively, fantastic, looking really good, um, young players, but they, you know, a couple of mental mistakes there, first couple of games there, or whatever, but kind of settling in, uh, and you know, putting on the pinstripes. There's there's some good signs here for the young kids for for the Yankees here. And sometimes, like I said, when you when you go through something like this and you go through injuries like the Yankees have and you're forced to bring up some of your prospects and stuff, because we're raving about all the prospects and all the other teams, you know, you know, look what the Orioles are doing here and, and look what's uh, happened in St. Louis here in Chicago, the Cubs and everything else. The Yankees are still in first place. The Yankees are most likely still going to make the playoffs. The Yankees... Majority of their injuries right now are happening at this time. When if that's what you want it to happen, have them happen now. So, look, it's been a long month here. We're waiting for the pendulum to start swinging back over here. And if we can time it right, and if, you know, at this point right now, you are you're, you're looking at the series against Tampa Bay and going, man, just win this series. Um, but to lose first place doesn't mean that the Yankees are necessarily going to be out of a playoff spot. So if they can kind of just swing this and hang in there. And, you know, at the time here, the, the pitching has been doing okay. Um, look, uh, even a couple of guys who traded for Frost, he's out too. So, Booney's, Booney's throwing everything up at the wall that he can. And they're hanging in there. Four or five game win streak here. Lost here to, to the Twins last night. And then they got a big series here. And they, they just kind of, you know, they, they win two out of three here. They're still holding the lead here. And then the schedule kind of gets a little better for them uh, the rest of the way. So, there's a lot of things. I am always, I'm just trying to be optimistic here about the Yanks, right? Your 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 management here, um, your front office is getting to see some young prospects, um, and as far as you know where they are in the standings, where they are in the playoffs uh, picture right now, it's for all the bad stuff that's going on. Because at the end of the day, if the Yankees are going on here, and, and whether you're ninety win season, right, or if they had ninety five wins right now and they were sixteen games up for the division, the playoffs are still coming, and it doesn't matter. You're still going to have to go through the Astros. You're still going to have to, you know, either play Toronto or Tampa Bay or whatever. So, and I talk about this, keep the heat on them, it's okay. So, in summation, what I'm going to say here is I'm trying to keep optimistic here about the Yankees. They're hanging in there. They're still in first place. They're still a damn good baseball team. If these guys can get healthy and things can line up here towards uh, the end of September, and if they can get on a bit of a hot streak and feel good about themselves um, going into the to the playoffs, that's okay. And maybe this heat, maybe all this um, tough stuff that they've dealt with, uh, as a team, the mental um, challenges that they've had to face here, and they get on the other side of it once October starts, it might help them out. And then for the future, 
Aaron Judge here, trades here, whatever it happens. And seeing a couple of these young guys because guys like Torres, guys like Hicks, you know, Cashman can make some decisions here and, and kind of roll with a couple of these young guys that have come in here. And, and I'm okay with that. So I think the future looks bright for the Yankees. I think they're they're going to be in the mix. They've got a great team. I mean, we haven't talked about the fact that Rizzo hasn't been in, even in the lineup. You know what I'm saying? Let him rest. Yep. Let him take the yep. rest of the month off. And just let him make sure he comes back 100% health, healthy here, and, and we'll go from there. And the last thing I want to bring back up, just talking about center fielders before, is uh, Mickey Rivers. Don't forget him. Yankee center fielder. Uh, you know, championship teams in the 70s. One of the best, too. Yeah. So there we go. Throw it back to you. Well, I, 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 I'm going to throw a little uh, salt in the, in, the, in the potential wound here. Um, but I'm going to – We're uh, scarred already these last 30 games. Come on. I, on. On behalf of Chicago Cubs fans, I want to thank you for accepting our – donation of Scott Efferos to your injured list. Did you see what happened earlier this week, Paul, in Chicago? The Yankees traded a young guy who was not at the top of their organizational pitching depth. He was not a prospect that they were like, oh my gosh, this is the second coming. Like he's not Luis Heal. He's not Clark Schmidt. Uh, A young gentleman by the name of Hayden Wisniewski that's a hockey uh, name, was, buddy. Don't tell me. Yes, yes, it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> He's definitely a defenseman in uh, Calgary. Um, Hayden Wisniewski was the was the young pitcher that the Yankees traded to the Cubs at the deadline to get Scott Efros, who again is hurt. Uh, young Hayden made his major league debut against the Cincinnati Reds this week, uh, piggybacking off of Wade Miley's four innings in which he allowed. Uh, three runs, two earned uh, on 69 pitches, uh, six strikeouts. Uh, he left after four innings with his team chasing a 3-1 deficit. Uh, and young Hayden Wisniewski came into the game. And I think I've, I've told you before and mentioned that I'm on a uh, one of my best friends is an officer in the Navy, and I'm on, I've been on a group chat with him and two of his brothers pretty much since high school. And lots of Cubs chatter on there, little Blackhawks, little Bears, but lots of Cubs chatter on there. And we were pretty excited that this kid was going to get the call up because the Cubs have had a lot of young pitching come up this year. There's a lot to be excited about with what the Cubs have had come up with. Keegan Thompson and Justin Steele and Caleb Killian. Uh, They've got a lot of young arms in Chicago. But Hayden Wisniewski was one of the guys they added at the deadline from the Yankees for Scott Efros. And after the game, uh, Wade Miley was asked about his performance just coming off of the injured list himself. And he said, what are you talking about? I was just the opener. Wisniewski came in, allowed two hits, walked one, struck out eight, and finished the game. Five shutout innings out of the bullpen. And yeah, Paul, I, Paul, I got to tell you, this kid's slide piece is ludicrous. I mean, it, it's like it, it looks like he's playing ultimate frisbee. <laughs> this thing comes in and it's darting the entire width of the plate away from right-handed hitters. And he was just out there chucking easy cheese. But I'm on this group chat with these guys, and he comes out and strikes out a couple in his first inning, and one of the brothers is like. That's a hell of a debut. I wonder if he's done. Nope. 
comes out for the next one, looks good again. Man, that's a great debut. Like, I wonder how long they're going to let him ride. He finished the night, and the Cubs ended up coming back and winning that game. So he picked up the dub and threw five innings in relief and walked one, struck out eight, and was just absolutely lights out. So on behalf of Cubs fans, I want to extend uh, our laurel and hearty handshake to uh, the Yankees for being willing to part ways with a young pitcher that has, at least from what we've seen, uh, thus far in his uh, limited minor league run with the Chicago organization and now in one appearance out of the bullpen for the Cubs, pretty dirty stuff. And he, he could be a player either, you know, in relief or even a back end of the rotation spot for the Cubs next year. Uh, but he threw, uh, he was throwing feces out there and he was all it took for the Yankees to get uh, a DL stint from Scott F. Ross in September. All right. Well, at the end of the year, okay. You, uh... Your new guys pitch one game, okay? And I really do hope season ticket subscriptions have gone up since since that <laughs> game. Um, but if F. Ross is getting a ring at the end of this year, uh, I'm going to be calling you, all right? And then hey. we will send back the congratulations in return. Hey, Yankees the owe the Cubs one of these deals after the uh, after the Glaber Torres for Aroldis Chapman deal. And I think that's exactly what you're alluding to, right? You get a ring, it don't matter. Cubs fans that complained about Glaber, they're not complaining about him now because that's apparently what the Yankees fans are doing. But uh, but when he went out and was runner-up to Yankees legend Miguel Andujar for Rookie of the Year, talk about a persona non grata. Um, but, uh, you know, he came out of the gates and looked great. And, you know, there were there was a, a small faction of Cubs fans. It's like, oh, man, we we should have kept Glaber or shut up. <laughs> Glaber Torres was never going to play shortstop over Javier Baez. Uh, he was who? probably never going to play. Wait a second, who? El, who? El Mago, your National League Championship Series co-MVP in 2016. Hey, he now, in Detroit somewhere? He is. He is. Uh, have they been eliminated yet? No, but that could happen this weekend. Uh, it's not going well for the, for the, the Tigres. Rangers, the Texas Rangers are throwing a party after this weekend. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's not going well for the Tigres. Uh, but, no, if, if you're a Cubs fan and you want to complain about a trade, I'll be real. The one that still sits in my craw a little bit is uh, the deal that they made the following year across town to keep Jose Quintana from going to Milwaukee. Let's say Quintana, of course, ended up being no better than a four, three or four starter for the Cubs. He's wandered around a bit. He's, he's had a nice season this year. I'll give him his his marks for having a nice bounce back this year. But um, Cubs traded Eloy Jimenez and Dylan Cease to the White Sox for Jose Quintana. And with Justin Verlander on the shelf and uh, Shane, don't call me Rue McClanahan, though the audience at Tampa games looks more like Rue McClanahan than Shane. Um, <laughs> nice Golden Girls reference on a Friday in September. That's uh, one of the greatest TV speaking shows of Betty ever Windsor, in TV history. Speaking of Betty Windsor, uh, no, but uh, with McClanahan and Verlander on the shelf, you might have a guy slide in the back door and steal the Cy Young Award in the American League and Dylan Cease here, who, if you didn't see it the other night, lost a no-hitter with two outs 
against Minnesota in a game that had division implications. You know uh, what? I don't, you know, this, I, I'm really, uh, this central division here in the American League, is, uh, I don't think anybody wants it, really. <laughs> I don't it's think, the gong show. I don't think anybody wants to go to the playoffs. No. I really don't. I, don't th- I think they have a, a restaurant, some dinner plans with the Milwaukee Brewers. They don't want to go. No interest. Okay, but, but Paul, I'm, I'm going to bring this up. <laughs> and this, this, this may be the end of the show. You might be like, wow, you're going to go there. All right, well, we're done for this week, and we might just cancel the postgame show. And you might be wondering if this is a, 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 a beautiful cigar or something else that I'm smoking. But I'm going to bring it up because I think it needs to be said. Last year at this time, we had this exact same conversation about the National League East. Nobody wants to win it. It seemed like every week the Mets were three and three and seven, the Braves were five and five, the Phillies were two and eight. It it, it felt like you you were fighting over which team was going to lose the consolation prize of playing playoff baseball. And we got to our end-of-season-slash-postseason prediction show. If you want to go back and check the tape, go out on uh, wherever you subscribe to Line Drive Radio and go back and look at our postseason prediction show from last year. What I said was the Atlanta Braves had to fight to get in all the way to the last day of the season. They've got pitching. They've got bats. They got in, and once you get in, anything can happen. And if your pitching's right, and you've got a couple guys that can dominate, or at least go push enough innings to make it interesting, and the right batters are hot, anything can happen. And maybe them walking in on the last day of the season was just enough for them to put their big boy pants on and run the table. Look, they did. And I'm not patting myself. Well, maybe, yeah, we'll go ahead and pat ourselves on the back here. If but. I was there, Tab, I would. Yeah, not, you know, and I, and I certainly pulled the Nostradamus card when we did our preseason because of that. But I look at the American League Central this year and I look at that White Sox team. And they've had as many significant injuries as any team in baseball. Luis Robert is swinging a bat with one hand right now. He can't keep his front hand on the bat. Shouldn't be in the lineup. He should be on the shelf right now. But they got to run him out there because every game matters. Even though you could argue, should they run him out there every day if he can't swing? Is he really helping the team? Whole other podcast. But um, if they can somehow get into this postseason dance, if they somehow win the division, because remember the way that it works this year in the wild card round, the division champion slash wildcard team with the better record host all three games in the wildcard round at their building. And just one of the games, the other team will bat last, but they're all going to be played in the same stadium. It's a three game set. If you are the Tampa Bay Rays, if you are the Toronto Blue Jays, if you are the Seattle Mariners, you could be looking at a three-game winner-go-home situation in which you have to face Dylan Cease, who, again, for my money, has been one of the five most dominant pitchers in all of baseball this year. 
And a Chicago White Sox lineup that, if and when healthy, stacks up as well as any, theoretically, it should. It hasn't this year because of injuries and Tony La Russa. But that is a White Sox team that, if it's healthy, if Eloy Jimenez is healthy, Yon Mancata is hitting like he did five for five last night. If Luis Robert can keep both hands on the bat and actually make contact, they've got a good bullpen. They've got a lights-out closer. You got Dylan Cease in game one. You got some semblance of Lance Lynn, Johnny Cueto. Johnny Cueto's been magnificent all year for them. Uh, Lucas Giolito. This could be a situation that sets up for the White Sox to ruin the party for somebody. And look, maybe they maybe they win the division and they get in. And if they've got the worst, I, I think if you're the Yankees, I don't know that you necessarily want to deal with Dylan Cease. And I don't think you with the swing and miss that the Yankees have had for the last two months. I think that the swing and miss ability from a White Sox staff that again could have Michael Kopech coming out of the bullpen in the playoffs, throwing just easy cheese. Um, it's a possibility here that the White Sox could make things really miserable for somebody in the playoffs this year and ruin the party. Now, they're a game and a half back. They're in a fight with Cleveland and Minnesota. I could make the exact same case for the Minnesota Twins, though they don't have Dylan Cease at the top of their rotation. I don't think you go into a playoff series and look at the Minnesota Twins and say, oh, crap, look at that pitching. With the White Sox, theoretically, you do, especially a three-game where you're going to have Dylan Cease in one of them. So that it, it, it could be very interesting for people if the White Sox get their crap together. And a big part of that is one of the worst trades the Cubs have made since Lou Brock to the Cardinals. And that was painful because you sent a scuffling outfielder to a division rival and he turned into a Hall of Famer and the greatest stolen base artist before Ricky Henderson that the game had seen. Now you traded a potential ace Cy Young winner and a huge bet across the other side of your own town. Uh, and those two guys, especially Cease, are going to do a big, big uh, part of if the White Sox are going to get in. But look, not saying it's going to happen. I'm not, I'm probably totally, you know, ripping up and burning my Nostradamus card here after calling it for the Braves last year. But in a three game set, I don't think I want to go to Chicago. I don't, not in the American league. I don't have anything to do with Dylan Cease. If, they, if they've only got to win one out of two because you chalk up a, a dub for Dylan Cease in game one, that's a tough proposition. But, I, look, I would sign up to watch a three-game set between the White Sox and Blue Jays. I think that would be just magnificent. And let the Rays and the Mariners beat each other up with a 12-hour plane ride in between. Look, I mean, we're all, we're all waiting for the Sox, right? I mean, they've been playing pretty good of late. And we talked about it last week. Tony's men been up. And, um, so there's a new but we've been saying it's a matter of time for five and a half months. Yes, and we it's been a matter of time for quite a few teams. I mean, you know, Toronto yeah. and, and Tampa Bay didn't start out of the gate very well, you know. If you're waiting for the Sox, Red Sox, stop waiting. That's not going to nope. happen. But, um, you know, you look at They've moved the, down to the Patriots in Miami this week. Yeah, basically. <laughs> Um, even even Belichick left town for a week. Yeah, see you later. Look, um, Chicago, the White Sox have to get their act together, though. They're, they're going to have to win the division to get in, though. I mean, 
that's uh, the bottom so. line. So, but hey, look, their last their last ten, the White Sox are seven and three, Cleveland's three and seven, Minnesota's four and six, and now the door is wide open. Wide open. It's a game and a half. They're tied with Minnesota. It's a game and a half difference, and it is the 9th of September, and they are looking ahead at, what, we got three and a half, four weeks left in the regular season with a game and a half. This is kind of what you want, right? And we we talked about this before. The White Sox went out and and put it on Oakland pretty good last night. They got Giolito throwing tonight in Oakland. Saturday they got an afternoon set with Lance Lynn, and then they got Cueto. Well, and me, then they come home and face Colorado, who are bad also. Schedule and is season. laid out for them right here in black yeah. and white. And then they go they go Look, to Cleveland for one. They've got three in Detroit, who are terrible. And then they've got three with Cleveland and three more against Detroit. So, they, they I mean, they've got bottom feeders. Every, they, they've got in, between now and the 25th of September, so for the next 16 games, they've got four against Cleveland, and then the rest is bottom feeders. And then they've got and then they've, they've, six left with the Twins, but they can just basically they got control a, their own fate. They got a gauntlet to finish it, and I don't know who the hell made the schedule up, but who puts a team in Minnesota for three and then in San Diego for three and then back in Chicago? I don't know who came up with that idea because that, that flight to San Diego is going to be there fun. There is an office uh, you can send an email to, though. There is. A there is a strongly worded letter headed to Rob Manford's office. <laughs> Uh, and by the way, next hey, week. Hey, by the way, um, we stayed out of the headlines for quite a long time this season. I must until, say. Until yesterday, uh, they talked about new rules that they've approved that will go into effect for next year. Next week, we're going to break those down because it looks like there's a little bit of dust to settle there. But you're going to have a pitch clock. Uh, but one of the things that well, intrigued me, today, i got to read I, a little. I wanted to bring that up. That's the vote today on the pitch clock, uh, the shifting uh, restrictions. And I didn't know this. And I'm going to ask you on your opinion on all three of these, obviously. But larger bases? Mm-hmm. What's that all about? The the it, It's a different design of the base. It's been a hit in minor league baseball this year. A lot of it is just having a, a different surface area so that when you've got the rainy night, you know, in Chicago, I was sitting there five rows from first base after a rain delay and watched Corey Patterson blow his knee. 2003, and he was supposed to be the center fielder of the future for the Cubs, but that worked out because they traded for Kenny Lofton and Aramis Ramirez and got in the playoffs. But you saw Bryce Harper do it a few years back. Uh, the larger base surface with a little bit of tack on it, it just gives guys a better way to get a, get through the base. Uh, it's a little bit easier for guys to, to touch on. So I don't think this, that that's it, a big deal. Is it more benefiting uh... – the runners here, is, is this the league trying to be proactive in terms of getting more runs, more players safe, or does this also help the defensive players here as far as turning double plays? I don't think it's really going to be a deal, a difference maker. Is home maker. being adjusted? Is home plate now going no. to look like a helicopter landing pad? No, home plate's going to stay the same. Okay. Uh, though I think if they put a little trampoline in there, some of those fall balls that go straight down could be really fun to watch. Yeah. I'm sure you've had Little League fields where you get a little extra oomph out of home plate and uh, it's you get a little screwy out there. But it, it really, I don't think it's going to make more runs. I don't think it's going to make more double plays. I think it's really just a, a, a safety thing for guys, a health 
related thing for guys running through the base, especially at first. Um, but just a little bit more surface area for guys to get a hold of. So really not really not a deal breaker for me. Um, the pitch clock, I think we've spent so much time worrying about freaking pace of play that we're legalizing things that should just like be common sense. For every Pedro Baez and Steve Traxel out there, you've got a Mark Burley that'll give you a two and a half hour gem. So I think that just comes back to some guys are going to work slower than others. And if you feel like you have to legalize it, I, I think it's overkill. Um, one of the things that I was reading about, though, and this is the one that I, I need to see the vote and I need to see how the wording is to, to really dig in. But it looks like they're going to limit the number of times a guy can throw over to first base, a number of pickoff moves. And that's fascinating because it's like if you throw over three times and the guy knows you can't throw over, like, does that include snap throws from the catcher? Guys like Wilson Contreras and Yadi Molina that are backpicking guys all day at first base. Um, but if you throw over three times, the guy knows that you can't throw over. I mean, he'll be halfway to second base by the time you deliver home. So that that one kind of I'm like, what the hell are we doing that? How about for? this? But, How about you put in a rule that if you got two outs and there's only one man on base and you're up two strikes, if you throw over to first, you toss the pitcher out of the game because he's wasting everybody's time. Well, but if you've got two strikes on the batter, Tony Larusso will just put him on first base when the guy steals anyway. So you, you can't eliminate everything because you know if the guy steals on one of Larusso's guys with a two strike count, he'll just give him the base. You'd rather throw to Max Muncy and give up a three-run jack. I mean, that's another show, too. I mean, you can question a lot of uh, managerial decisions lately. I mean, I, I don't like – I don't know what the Twins were doing in those first couple of games against the Yanks, you know, in, in a division race. Like we said, we were talking about – these guys don't want to win. They don't want to win. You know, as far as, you know, moving guys on or walking a guy. I mean, think about where you are in the situation what you got. I mean, I don't get it. But anyway um, – Pitch clock, I mean, I, most of the stuff that they're trying out down in the uh, the minor league seems to be working. Uh, you know, the Yankees game won the other day in the doubleheader. I mean, it was a four-hour game. Um, you know, yeah. uh, it's, it's, I mean, quirky things happen. I mean, to me, I look at it, look at the body of work. I mean, you got, you know, it, it doesn't happen for every team. It doesn't happen every week. It doesn't happen every time. They're not, they're not constantly reporting about, oh, another four- or five-hour game whether it's because it's just common practice or whatever the heck it is. I mean, to me, more day games, please, and start the games a little earlier, you know, if you yes. can. That would be nice. Um, but, uh, you, you, know, know, you know what, you know what changes home, you know, on the Bronx Expressway at, like, you know, 10.30 at night, 11 o'clock at night, coming back from a Yankee game. He didn't need to function in the first three hours of school the next day. He's yeah. fine. Um, no, I mean, look, Paul, you know what would fix pace of play? Not a pitch clock. It's balls in play. I mean, look, I, I'm not going to go, like, get off my lawn old man here, but for me, the game was just – it was faster and it was more enjoyable, and you didn't notice the amount of dead time in the 80s and the 90s because you had so many situational things happening. The, the, uh, the dependency and addiction to the true outcomes is what has made the game feel longer. Do you think I mean, I don't the know whole how analytics thing has played into this as well, too? I mean, obviously, yeah. it's, it's I mean, changed. Yeah, I mean, look, you would rather you would rather pitching. have a guy strike. The, the analytics tell us that a guy striking out with a runner on first base is better than a double play ground ball. And 
the analytics have told pitchers that a walk is preferred to a double in the gap. And the analytics have told us that the risk proposition of being thrown out, stealing second base is not worth the reward proposition of a runner in scoring position. Back in the day, if Ricky Henderson was on first base, everyone was watching him with as much energy as the batter at the plate. Kenny Lofton was the same way, right? Um, and you're starting to see the stolen base come back into the game. Look, Julio Rodriguez is a 20-20 guy. He might be, end up a 30-30 guy, which would be amazing as a rookie. Um, but balls in play leads to action. And what you want is action, right? In the NFL, there's more dead time in an NFL football game than there is in a baseball game. Oh, especially if you're there long. Right? It's hard. But, but you've got a situation where you everybody lines up every 30 seconds. They snap a ball. Guys beat the hell out of each other for three, three to five seconds. And then you sit and wait for another 30 to see what happens next. Like, but no one complains because you've got action, right? What baseball needs is action. If it's all, if you're, if you're watching strikeout, walk, strikeout, walk, home run, three run homer. Okay. It's three, nothing. It's balls in play. It's running the bases. It, it's that chess match that's died with the true outcomes. And I'll get off my soapbox now because I've railed on this for a long time. But the reality for me is if you want to take the shift out, fine. Well, maybe if we taught guys to hit the ball the other way, you exactly. wouldn't shift as much. Yep. Um, and so the efficiencies of the game have taken away the nuance, and the nuance is the sex appeal of baseball. And that's why watching the college game, watching high school games where you have no problem bunting a guy in a scoring position, uh, just I prefer that. So in any event, we'll, we'll, we'll break down some of these rule changes in a little bit more depth once we get the vote in and we see what stuff is actually in it. Yeah, um, but that throwover thing was just fascinating because maybe that'll create some more action with guys moving on the bases and you won't waste your time having people boo a guy throw in the first base five times. Yeah, and you know this is this is very unique to baseball too. I mean, if you go to, I mean, look, I, I noticed stark differences between how the Yankees run uh, their game day operations as opposed to how the the Mets run their game day operations. And and every every uh, team in every specific city, uh, depending on where they're you know located and, and the environment around them, and and you know what you can just kind of tend towards. Um, look, all baseball is is definitely targeted to a family orientated experience you yeah know? um and and then if you take the the major league game and then you if you and i say it to anybody out there go to minor league baseball games and hopefully most of you are because there, there should be a, a team a local team uh you know and i'm talking about like you know an 8 10 15 000, uh st- stadium type of minor league team you know don't go run up and, you know you go up and run and watch the local high school kids play in the, the town rec leagues and all that stuff too but game day operations, uh, especially for minor leagues, uh, had a lot of experience to this in terms of watching it, how, how many uh, they have to create. It's not about the game. There's a lot of stuff going on. Uh, worked with the Cyclones this year in, in, in uh, Brooklyn, and we've worked uh, with um, uh, down in uh, Jersey with the, sh- uh, the, the Blue Crabs, the Blue Claws, yeah. Um, and we've worked with um, in Boulder, too. And you, while the baseball game is going on, for the minor league teams, uh, and it's, it's part of their logistics for the game, the operations, to almost 
have people involved with anything other than baseball. So the diehards are going to watch the game. But there's just like amusement stuff, festival stuff. There's you know live concerts going on. This this uh, you know you can go here and go there. You can do all kinds of stuff. So it's like when the kids uh, families bring their kids to the game, the minor league games. It's like going to an event. It's like a festival. And baseball is a little part of it. It's at a baseball stadium, but there's so much going on. And then when you look at how the uh, major league teams run their uh, game day operations and stuff, because it's unique to baseball, because you know baseball has this downtime. It's just, it's a slow game. You have to have patience to, to watch baseball. You have to have patience to play baseball. There's a yep. lot of time spent, if you think about it, how much time you spend on the bench. You know, if you're an active player, and if, and if you don't get a roster spot that day, or if you're a, 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 an off, a pitcher that's on his off days, you're spending a lot of time just watching the game, you know? Uh, so it's amazing. So all these little things that they're trying to do here, um, every every parent of a kid that plays left field knows this. You'll go watch a game for three hours, and your kid will get three swings of the bat and maybe make some contact and might not touch a ball defensively. Yeah, it's incredible. It really is. And that's just the whole, like I said, when you look at all this stuff, um, I mean, because we're constantly talking about, you know, runs, hits, performances, and, and that's where the focus is. You know, and then you, you turn into the, the game of football. Like I said, if you go to a live football game, you almost have to have a little more patience than a baseball game because there are incredible amount of stoppages and a lot of standing around and everything else and stuff. That's just oh, and, and spending the whole second quarter waiting to use the little boys' room. Yeah, and then and it's also very cold during football season too, so you got to contend with that. But anyway, um, fair down. So watching uh, the league here, trying to make some adjustments, I think primarily for time consumption. You know what they've done here with the extra innings with the guy in the, on second base and everything else. You know, uh, where the focus is in terms of why they're doing this. Is it to help out with TV times and commercials? Is it to help out with logistics and costs for ballparks, for major league ballparks in terms of staffing, overtime? I mean, because I, I have to say here, it's a, it's a massive amount of time. Because the other thing, too, is the security that goes into the safety of ballparks, too. Your local police departments, your fire departments, and everything else. So if they're on, it's a three-hour, maybe four-hour baseball game, but it's not for that, you know, for the for the cops that day, uh, the paramedics, security staff. I mean, that's 10, 11-hour days. So I, I imagine all this plays into this game in, game out, uh, city per city, franchise per franchise. So these are just little things that are going on here. Um, and like I said, I can only, um, I had some really great conversations this year with a couple of, uh, the great people that run the minor league operations, the game day logistics, to just have a um, minor league baseball game, you know, have it, you know, have it play out. Just to forget about the game. It's all that stuff. And then they're also competing with trying to get people in the ballpark because they need money because these things are expensive. And that's just on, on the minor league stuff. So it's, it's a fascinating part of the logistics of running a game. And then, like I said, you get into the major league sit, uh, situation here and these little rules that there they could be major rules here. But um, I'd be curious down the road to find out more or maybe look more into the, that. I think this is ultimately you probably everybody says this, Tab. It's got to, it has to do with money. I don't know if it's necessarily mm-hmm. about the fan experience because if you're a diehard baseball fan, you know, you're there for, for great pitching and for hits and home runs and scores and all that stuff. Everything else, you know, the time and stuff like that, you're not necessarily going to worry about it too much. But there is a part of it, man. There's a lot of people that don't show up, um, you know, unless there's a ceremony going on. 
like Paul O'Neill there a couple weeks ago. You rarely have everybody in the seats until the fourth inning. And then depending yep. on how the game's going, if it's an evening game, most people are leaving by the seventh and eighth, depending on what the score is. So mm-hmm. how many people actually make the full mm-hmm. nine games? Anyway, it's a... I'm not Dodger fans except Dennis Bernstein. <laughs> uh, so, no, I'm, I'm with you on that. And so, you know, they're... We'll we'll talk about that a little bit next week. And the other thing that I want to dig in with you on next week is uh, it looks like we've got a little more conversation happening here. But um, Major League Baseball's Players Association have uh, taken some great strides this week in helping minor leaguers. Yeah. Uh, And uh, they are moving to include minor leaguers in the Players Association. So. Next week's show, I think we're going to dig in a little bit on that and and talk about the ramifications there because I've been advocating for that since we started Line Drive Radio. So seeing it happen is good. So uh, so we'll talk about that next week. But right now, I think we need to figure out how we can help people make some money in their Tab, uh, we, fantasy baseball playoffs. Yeah, before we go to uh, the moneymaker here for the uh, Tab Fantasy Hour of the Week, I do want to bring this up because I know it's uh, important to, to you and, and bring this up, but... Uh, I want to um, maybe just fill everybody in on the Roberto Clemente Awards um, in terms of um, some of the guys. It's in both leagues. Uh, when the w- award was established and what it's ultimately given to as far as um, how it's rated for, is what, what kind of performance and stuff. You could just a little talk a little bit more about um, the, you know, the great Roberto Clemente that we love, uh, guys growing up uh, when we were young kids, younger kids. But uh, just real quick, I want you to talk about the award and, and, and what it's all about again. Yes, so... You're right. Good, good catch there. The Roberto Clemente Award, um, named for, still for my money, the greatest right fielder that the game has ever seen in every regard. Uh, Roberto Clemente, whose career was cut short when he passed away in a plane crash going to help earthquake victims uh, right after Christmas, because um, that's the person that he was. The each major league club nominates their clubhouse representative for the Roberto Clemente award. And the players are considered uh, for character, community involvement, philanthropic contributions. Um, It's an off the field award. Generally the individuals who are um, nominated are, are players who had relatively decent year. Um, sometimes it's kind of awkward, uh, like the, the Cubs nominating Jason Hayward this year after telling him that they're buying him out after the season. But uh, the Clemente Award is given to someone for – it's really the man of the year award for Major League Baseball. And it's not about most home runs. It's not about most runs batted in or best war or greatest OPS. It's about being a, a community – uh, involved player, someone who gives back, and someone who advocates for, for folks. And the teams have named their nominees this year. Uh, we'll find out who won it. I, I believe they, they hand out the award uh, in a, a press conference. I think it's during the World Series. Uh, Roberto Clemente's sons are still very much involved with that. But I'll rattle off real quick the nominees for each team. Uh, Josh Rojas of the Diamondbacks, Brent Suter of the Milwaukee Brewers, Tyler Matzik of the Braves, Byron Buxton of the Twins, James McCann 
of the Mets. Uh, he's given away plenty of bats this year. Dylan Tate of the Orioles. Jake Diekman uh, of the Red Sox. Again, awkward because he's currently pitching for the White Sox. Uh, Jose Trevino of your New York Yankees. Uh, Jason Hayward, again, another awkward one for the Cubs. Tony Kemp of the Oakland A's. Liam Hendricks of the Chicago White Sox. Kyle Gibson of the Philadelphia Phillies. Joey Vado of Love the Cincinnati Joey. Reds. Vado. Get him on the surprise. Uh, yeah. David Bednar of the Pirates. Craig Stammen of the Padres. Tristan McKenzie, the Cleveland Guardians. Kyle Freeland of the Rockies. Brandon Crawford of the Giants. Marco Gonzalez of the Mariners. Miguel Cabrera of the Detroit Tigers. Jose Altuve of the Astros. Paul Goldschmidt of the Cardinals, who could potentially win an MVP and a Clemente Award in the same year. I don't know that that's ever happened. Uh, Nicky Lopez of the Royals. Brandon Lowe of the Tampa Bay Rays. Taylor Hearn of the Rangers. Jared Walsh of the Angels. Justin Turner of the Dodgers. Bo Bichette of the Toronto Blue Jays. Pablo Lopez of the Marlins. And another guy who was traded but still nominated by his former team, Josh Bell. Uh, of as the nominee of the Washington Nationals, though playing for the Padres. So you got two guys who are their team's nominees, even though they're not there anymore. You've got Jason Hayward, who hasn't played in quite some time and who's getting bought out after the season. Uh, but you've got a lot of guys. Each of these individuals was nominated again because they've done a wonderful job of uh, being a face of the franchise off the field and making a positive impact and in their community. So shout out to each one of those guys for being a finalist for the Roberto Clemente award. Um, and uh, it's really, a, when you talk to guys and I've, I've spoken with a lot of guys about what it means. Um, guys like Curtis Granderson, uh, an African American player, Anthony Rizzo, uh, a white American player. Uh, Roberto Clemente is still considered the godfather of obviously Puerto Rican players, but most Latino players, uh, if you look around the majors, most Latino players will ask to not wear 21 because out of respect for Roberto Clemente, I have, a, I'm of the belief that major League baseball should retire 21 across the board. Yeah. We talked about just, that, to, yeah. just as they have uh, with 42 for uh, Jack Robinson, but you, know, uh, me and you it, can make that happen. We have to have Roberto Clemente episode. And that's all we talk about. And we send it well, out next no, Roberto it. Clemente day where everyone in baseball wears 21 is next week. So we'll spend a little more time on Clemente next week as they celebrate Roberto Clemente day around Major League Baseball. But uh, this week, the nominees for the Clemente Award were named uh, and we'll, we'll wait to find out who wins it. But each one of those guys uh, deserves a, a hearty round of applause for what they do off the field because they are really doing some great things. When you talk to guys, whether they're Latino or not, uh, Adam Wainwright of the Cardinals has been really outspoken about it. Um, this award means more than a postseason MVP uh, for guy, pitchers that have won it more than a Cy Young even or an MVP. Uh, this is the award that a lot of these guys, and obviously these guys that are nominated, believe in giving back in the philanthropic part. Otherwise, they wouldn't be nominated. But uh, to be recognized by your teammates and then ultimately recognized by uh, fans in Major League Baseball and the Clemente family as the winner of the award. It's, I would submit, the most prestigious award in Major League Baseball. So uh, 
shout out to those guys that were nominated. Uh, and we found out this week who those guys are. Awesome stuff, Ted. Awesome stuff. Some great talent out there. The legend, Roberto. Got MLB Central in the background here, Tab, and uh, another few. The great one before Wayne Gretzky. Yeah, Aaron Judge is just walking across the screen. Man, what a season he's having. All right, let's get back to the money ball as we do Tab's fantasy ad of the week here on LDR. Get your pens and pads out. Tab, take it away. Who we got? Well, speaking of money ball. Uh, which was written about the uh, sabermetric renaissance of the Oakland Athletics. This week's Line Drive Radio fantasy ad of the week is someone who feasted on Oakland pitching last night uh, and who really needs to stay hot for the Chicago White Sox, and that is uh, Yon Mankata, who uh, looks like he's finally healthy again. He uh, He's He's just unloaded on a few balls, even for outs. Uh, he's swinging the bat really well from both sides of the plate right now. In the last week, he's batting 500 with a 533 on base percentage. Uh, he's he's doing the thing. Uh, he's only struck out three times and 14 at bats, 15 plate appearances. So he's cutting down on the swing and miss a little bit. And he, he's a big reason uh, that people think that the White Sox can catch and pass the Guardians for the Central because of his potential. We've heard about it for years. He's only owned in 38% of Yahoo leagues because people like me dropped him when he got hurt again a few weeks ago. But I'm out here, as I uh, as I say this, putting him back on my fantasy roster because if he keeps hitting the ball hard and hitting the ball well and hitting it where they ain't, uh, he's a guy that could make a serious impact uh, for the Chicago White Sox here. And he's going to be batting in a position in that lineup where he's going to be able to score and drive in a lot of runs. And we talked about it earlier. One of the reasons that I'm buying Yon Mankata right now is because for the next three weeks, they've got a really soft schedule. He's going to get to face Oakland pitching. He's going to get to face Detroit pitching. He's going to get to face, yeah, he's going to have to face Cleveland pitching. Uh, but he's he, the next three weeks, he's going to eat. And so if you're in a week-to-week playoff situation or if you're looking for somebody to, to fill it up at third base as maybe your third baseman struggling or you need a utility guy, DH guy, Mankata could be that guy. So if you're in part of the 62% of Yahoo leagues in which Yon Mankata is not owned, go get him because he's hot. And if that White Sox team is going to stay hot and make a charge, he's going to be a big part of it. So this week's Line Drive Radio fantasy ad of the week is Chicago White Sox third baseman Yon Mankata of Cuba. Bravo. That is a good one. That is a good one. Again, any uh, success with these picks here, these add-ons, please Venmo to... uh, yeah. At line drive. Yeah. We, we, PayPal, we accept cash donations as we well. Take the Queen's the, uh, pound. Vampire Cigar Fund. We'll take the yeah. Queen's pound in honor of her. Indeed. The loony, if you've got some of those on your own. The loony, yes. Yes, indeed. All right, Tab. The fighting vados. <laughs> Another one of the books. And, and, and speaking of trying to make baseball fun, and I, I, it's terrible that we haven't really brought these guys up yet this year. And, uh, they were on uh, MLB yesterday, and they, they're getting home. Is the Savannah Bananas, baby. Oh, love it. We have to talk about the Savannah Bananas. But we have These to wear all yellow great. when we do. Oh, absolutely. We get some. Uh, I love bananas, by the way. I eat them every day. I'm a healthy guy. But, uh, Eric Burns is their manager. Perfect fit. Oh, my God. They're just, we can't, it's too much, but we got we to gotta give them some props. They're getting, a, they're getting a lot of love, but, man, check them out, folks. Savannah Bananas. You're down there. Got to catch a game. I, I want to go down there now just to go see him. But anyway, um, thanks yeah. as always. Uh, before we, uh, you know, 
close the concession stands, turn on the sprinklers, close the gates, and head on out to parking lot. We want to thank everybody for tuning in here to Lawn Drive Radio. Follow us everywhere at Lawn Drive Radio. And uh, say hi to me and Tab on Twitter, because that's where we hang out. And um, as always, I just want to say thank you. And now I'm going to throw it to Tab. Tab, as always, please say goodbye to the folks. It's September, folks, which means you should be watching baseball, even on Sundays, uh, when your financial interest may be on the gridiron. Uh, but if the weather permits and it's not 8,000 degrees where you live, go outside, grab a glove, grab a ball, throw it around with a kid, grab a friend, get a tailgate, and enjoy playing the game. Ah, oh, yes. Who the Bears got this weekend, Tab? The, uh, the fighting Jimmy Garoppolo's oh. as he sits on the bench and watches Trey you know Lance what? take the reins of the San Francisco 49ers. No matter how bad it is in Chicago, it ain't as bad as what's going on out here in the Meadowlands with the Jets. Oh. That franchise. Oh, my God. Oh, hope you have Zach elite. Wilson in your fa- football fantasy. <laughs> Joe Flacco's elite. <laughs> All right, folks. Have a great weekend. Play ball. Woo-hoo. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.